What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Return with us now to February 1968. At the height of the Vietnam War and the Tet Offensive, after the long, hot summer of 1967, which saw the largest and deadliest black urban uprisings in American history in Newark and Detroit, the Democratic Party of President Lyndon Johnson was coming apart. That's when Johnny Carson handed The Tonight Show over to Harry Belafonte, who used the show to introduce white America to his world of music and politics. The story has been lost for decades, but was rediscovered by Joan Walsh. She's national affairs correspondent for The Nation. And now we have a feature-length documentary about that amazing week of TV in America. It's called The Sit-In. Harry Belafonte hosts The Tonight Show, And it's running now on Peacock. You remember, that's the new streaming service from NBC. Joan Walsh joins us now. She's one of the two producers. Joan, welcome back, and congrats on this terrific documentary. Thank you so much, John. Well, what you've made here is not just about Belafonte's week hosting The Tonight Show, which is an amazing story. This is also a mini-history of America at the beginning of 1968 with politics in the streets and politics on TV. So let's start by setting the context a little more. America in February 1968, Martin Luther King is still alive. Bobby Kennedy hasn't been assassinated yet. The political primary season is about to begin. That's when anti-war forces hope to challenge LBJ. And that's when... Harry Belafonte hosts The Tonight Show for a week. It's really an amazing story. I mean, we don't think of Johnny Carson as somebody who was political, although he, you know, he did show some liberal leanings in in the 60s and 70s around the war and certainly around civil rights. But Johnny did something very political. He gave his show to Harry Belafonte for a week. And, you know, he, he was famously kind of, 
jealous, rivalrous, protective of his time. So he would give guest hosts a night. Nobody got a week. If he was away for a week, there were five guest hosts. Uh, but he gave it to Harry for a week. And he really did understand that it was a pivotal time in our history, but he was just not the right guy to you know, say, I'm going to do a week on what's happening in civil rights. I guess the other thing that I didn't appreciate when I first came to the story was, it was also a really great idea in terms of ratings. I mean, we, you know, you and I are of a certain age, we sort of remember, but we, even we don't totally remember what a huge star Belafonte was. So it wasn't just like, oh, this nice, you know, political gesture. It was also a shrewd uh, entertainment move because he was really somebody that even your Republican uncle would tune in to watch. Harry Belafonte had been a superstar in, in music, acting, and in some, on some TV for a decade at least. We didn't know at that point, those of us who were around, who he was in movement politics. And that's one of the important things we learn from your documentary. Yes. He's the guy, for instance, who got all the celebrities to come to the March on Washington. He put together a huge fundraiser uh, for the, the third and final and successful Selma March to Montgomery in 65. He tells a story of, of him and Sidney Poitier actually flying down to Mississippi during Freedom Summer, right after the murder of the three civil rights workers with, with bail money for other kids and just support and getting chased by the Klan. I mean, it, it was serious activism, putting his body on the line repeatedly. So the most important thing historically about this week of The Tonight Show was the political talk. What for you were the political highlights of that week? Well, of course, the most important thing was that Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King were his guests. They each have a half hour interview. And strangely, it, that those are the only two interviews that are preserved. NBC used to just tape over The Tonight Show night after night, uh, but those somehow survived. They were, they were confused. They were profoundly confused by the times. Harry tells us in the film, I thought I had a scoop, as you journalists would say, that I was going to get Bobby to say he was declaring for president uh, on my show, but he wouldn't do it. And, and in fact, he sounds like he's not going to do it. And that very week, he told reporters that he wasn't doing it. And on the show, he's like, my views on Vietnam, you know, and, and he actually says a war that my administration took part in, speaking of his brother, my views are, are a minority, which actually was not true. And, and Dr. King is starting the Poor People's Campaign. He's moving from civil rights to general economic rights and poverty issues. He is really besieged by left and right, the black left, black nationalists, younger people were upset that he was leaving the issues of, of black people for the issues of poor people. And the, the centrists were upset that he had come out against the war. He is a besieged figure trying to figure out where to go next. And it wasn't just politics that week. Late night shows, of course, then as now, had lots of live musical performances. There were some pretty remarkable ones that uh, Belafonte put on. Yeah, and you know, 
The only entertainment that, that exists is the folk singer Leon Bibb singing Suzanne. And I had no idea who Leon Bibb was. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm that young. Um, <laughs> and then when I started doing research, I mean, he was, a, he was mentored by Paul Robeson. He was blacklisted. He was very close to Harry. And it was one of those really brave things that Harry did. And Leon Bibb sings Suzanne, a version of Suzanne that will just break your heart. Uh, but then there are the big names, you know, Aretha, Dionne Warwick, who we do interview, Tula Clark, who we also interview, Buffy St. Marie, who we interview. We just missed Diane Carroll. We were working on that. I mean, Tula Clark practically faints thinking about being on the couch with Sidney Poitier, which we don't have. <laughs> um, and so, it, yes, he really, he really set out to make it a very entertaining week, not just a politically enlightening one. He knew what he was doing. Now, to get back to Martin Luther King for a minute, it turns out we learn from the documentary that Harry Belafonte, this is not just inviting an important person to be on the show. This is somebody who he has been working with for more than a decade. Harry had been approached by Dr. King back in the 50s. Dr. King was, again, you know, a really shrewd judge of the culture and really tuned into how entertainers, particularly black entertainers, could make a difference. And so he reached out to a lot of them, but, but Harry very early on. Uh, and, and Harry says, you know, once we connected, my life was never separate from his to this day, really. He did benefit concerts for him. He and Aretha did concerts together in 1967 for Dr. King. Dr. King was, you know, his North Star. And, and Taylor Branch, the great, great historian and King biographer, explains that, you know, Harry had good relationships with all of the civil rights movement, including the young radicals and including people who thought, you know, violence might be necessary, the kinds of debates that we're, that we're still having now. And it was Dr. King's influence that just kept, at the, you know, and Harry would say this, that just kept him as angry as he could be, as radical as he was. He stayed with nonviolence because that made sense to him morally and psychologically. And of course, the reason that NBC did not put Black people on late night TV as hosts is that they were afraid of the ratings, that white people didn't want to watch black people on TV. How did this show do? Did people watch? The ratings surpassed Johnny's. Harry said that, but we were like, okay, let's make sure that's true. And it was true, not just in New York, but nationwide. It was really a big deal, you know, and, you, and we, we dug up some clips, newspaper clips and, and uh, reviews of the time. It got a lot of coverage. Obviously, in places like Jet and Ebony, where it was big news, but, you know, the New York Times, Newsweek, Time, uh, small regional papers, uh, we got some, we dug up some nasty coverage, you know, calling it a minstrel show. Uh, but for the most part, it was, the, the coverage was, was incredibly laudatory with a, with a few barbs about, you know, he might have gone too far with his Vietnam War criticism. Aside from that, it was like Aretha, Dion, you know, just amazing, amazing entertainment. 
Well, let's take a step back to the rediscovery of this story. I have to say, I was alive and paying attention to politics in 1968. I don't have any memory of this. I know that you didn't know anything about it. How did you discover the story, which then became a, a, an article for The Nation? It was hiding in plain sight. Harry wrote about it. Harry devoted a chapter on it in his memoir, My Song, and I, which I read in like 20, early 2013. It just, he brought it to life, but I was like, how do I not know about this? You know, how did I not hear my parents in the living room, you know, shrieking and, and, and subsequently, how do we not, how do we not talk about this all the time? And so I became borderline obsessed. And I mean, Katrina Vanningheuvel will tell you a story. She remembers me telling her about this, that I wanted to make a documentary about this before I came to the nation, which was 2015 when I came to the nation. And I just, I couldn't get it off the ground. I don't, I'm not, I don't know how to make a documentary. I'm not, I don't have those contacts. So I just decided I would do the next best thing and do what I can do, which is write about it. So I did a, a long piece for the nation and Joy Reid of MSNBC read it and asked me to come on her show. And at the end of our segment, she said, sis, this is a documentary, you know? And I'm like, uh, hello, yeah, I do know, but I, I don't know how to do that. And so she and I got it going. And that was, actually that was only three and a half years ago, which when you think about it, that's not that, that long when you talk about documentary years, like actively working on it. But yeah, it started in the nation. Most people, I think it's fair to say, like you and me, didn't know anything about this. But it turns out that at least some black people remember vividly seeing it at the time. One of them was Henry Louis Gates. Yes, Henry Louis Gates did a profile of Harry for The New Yorker. I think it was 1996. And he led his, the, the, the profile. And that's in, Harry, in Harry's book, too, talking about being a teenager, being a high school student in West Virginia and getting to stay up late to see this black man take over, you know, the biggest seat in television at the time and what an impression it made on his life. Uh, you know, another person that I love everyone that we talked to in the film, it was just the greatest experience of my life. One of my favorites is Bobby Rivers, who used to be a VH1, whatever, whatever they call VJ or, you know, and, and also an, an interviewer, uh, you know, did a lot, did a lot of uh, specials, uh, worked for other networks uh, as a, as a movie critic and movie, you know, a, a celebrity interviewer. And he remembers he was a, you know, teenager in Watts. Uh, and he remembers watching it and, and having it change his sense of what was possible for him that, you know, he wasn't necessarily the best singer or dancer or, you know, leading man, but he could be an interviewer and he could actually bring his intellect to television and the coverage of the culture. So, you know, there are so many people out there like that, that, we're, that I'm starting to hear from as this gets publicized and that's really moving. So let's talk for a minute about what's happened to late night TV since that historic week. This is one of the subjects of the documentary. Uh, the Tonight Show, even though it set records for an audience with a, a black host and black guests, after uh, Johnny left, we had Jay Leno. Now we have Jimmy Fallon. Uh, of course, late night TV has become a liberal bastion of jokes about Trump, uh, but it's still 
almost exclusively white, except, of course, for Comedy Central, which isn't a network, it's a cable show. Right. But Trevor Noah matters. And I think it's interesting that Trevor has really found his audience and his voice in this political crisis. You know, at first it it felt like Trevor was not trying to be the, you know, the black late night host. And now he's like, screw it. I'm the black late night host, y'all. So, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculously white. I mean, you know, Robin Thede, who is an amazing comic and writer, uh, who has a, a HBO show that's now on hiatus with everything else, the Black Lady Sketch Show, which is hilarious. Um, she, you know, she had a, a BET late night special for a little over a year. I mean, and Robin and others, I mean, Whoopi Goldberg had a had a show. Robin and others make the point that, you know, white guys are given a long time to find their audience. You know, I love Stephen Colbert, second to none, love him. When he got The Late Show, he didn't do well. And he's now, he's found his audience. He's found his voice. Guy, white guys get, get the chance to, to do that. It took months and they gave him months. They said, you know, we don't care if he gets low ratings. Yeah, we, we are investing in you. We know you can do it. And black people don't get that opportunity. You know, Arsenio Hall, we go from 1968 with Harry Belafonte to the late 80s with Arsenio Hall. And, and he didn't get that many years, even though it was a rating success. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, it, it's still, we still need a reckoning in late night. And we still need more diverse hosts and, and more black hosts. If, if Jimmy Fallon asked me what he should do with his show for a week, I would say either give it to Joy Reid, uh, give it to John Legend, give it to Robin Thede. You know, these are people who have the contacts, the connections in the world of entertainment as well as politics and have a worldview that is about getting more people to understand that what, what's really at stake in terms of race relations in America right now. Last question. What was it like for you to work with Harry Belafonte on this? He was, I think, over 90 when you interviewed him. I have to say he's totally sharp in your on-screen interviews with him. He's totally sharp. He, he forgets things, but, you know, so do you and I. So... Um, he was he was amazing, and he was so generous with his with his time, uh, with his connections. At some point, we were having a hard time getting people, you know, to, to interview. And he wrote a letter to a bunch of people on our list and said, you know, look, this is a project that really matters to me, and I would really appreciate if you, you know, gave these gave these women and. All women, all women team. Yoruba Richin is our director. Valerie Thomas is my co-producer, my dear friend. Joy Reed's an executive producer, our our editor, our associate producer, our associate editor. All women. Um, we have a a male composer, African American man. But he was just incredible with with his time. And and I, you know, I also have to thank his wife Pamela because she you know, did a lot of the scheduling and, and just made made things happen and is still making things happen. So it's it was really rewarding. So in February 1968, Harry Belafonte had Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King as his guests on The Tonight Show. It was one of the last hopeful moments of that decade. Of course, in the next four months, both King and Kennedy were assassinated. Darkness and despair descended on, on us 
few months after that, Nixon was elected president. And all that is told in the documentary, too. Through it all, Harry Belafonte was the heart and brains of so much of the civil rights movement of the 60s. That's one of the things you learn from the sit-in. Harry Belafonte hosts The Tonight Show, a powerful and moving documentary that started as an article in The Nation. It's running now on Peacock, the new streaming service from NBC. Joan Walsh recovered the story. She's one of the producers. She's also terrific on screen. Joan, thank you for this film, and thanks for talking with us today. Oh, thank you, John. My pleasure. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 